Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the things in which thou hast taken me, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou, therefore, endure hardness. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that war containeth himself to the affairs of this life, that he may please him, who has chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for mastery, yet is he not bound, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must first be first partaker of the fruit. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer even unto bondage. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that every need we have, you do supply, you do provide for your children. And we thank you for all you do and all you are, Lord. Thank you for being holy. Thank you for being just. Thank you that you are righteous. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for your blood. Oh, God, we praise you tonight, Lord. We've come into this place to glorify your blessed, wonderful name, knowing that you are the giver of all good and perfect gifts that come. And, Lord, we adore you tonight. God, we just want to say thank you for who you are. Thank you for all you do. God, we want to pray now that you would manifest your spirit. God, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you speak to us, that you breathe upon us tonight. God, I stand where no man does there to stand alone. God, asking for your mercy, God. Asking for your touch tonight, God. Asking for unction to preach your word. God, would you speak tonight to your people, Lord? Would you save that one near as hell tonight? God, would you draw us closer to you? Lord, don't let me say anything you wouldn't want said. But God, maybe you would use me as a microphone tonight. And God, that you would speak to us and let us hear from heaven tonight. For you are the one we need. You are the one we are longing for. And God, you said in your word, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So God, we tell you we're longing tonight. God, we're thirsty. Lord, we're hungry. So would you fill us tonight? God, would you help your people? Would you revive? Would you strengthen? Would you renew? Would you refresh? And God, we'll praise you. We'll give you the honor and the glory that you are worthy of. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen and Amen. We find ourselves here in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. We've been in 1 Timothy 1. We've been in 1 Timothy 4. And now we find ourselves in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And time and time again, I've made this statement that Paul is writing to Timothy. He is writing to those who are believers 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is writing to us to help us in this Christian walk that we are doing, that we this Christian life that we are living. So in trueness and in context of Scripture, we understand that 2 Timothy chapter number 2 is talking to those of us who are saved. Because you say, how do you know that? Well, verse number 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's talking to those of us who are in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's talking to those of us who are soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking to saved people. He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers tonight. You say, well, what's the more reason that you know that? Well, Paul, throughout chapter number 2, uses many illustrations and many figures to illustrate to us and to show us who he is speaking to. In verse number 1, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. So in verses 1 and 2, we see he's illustrating us that he's talking to Christians because he's telling us to be a good steward. He is telling us to do well with what God has given us. He is telling us that we have been entrusted with some things and we are to be a steward. Not only does he tell us that we should be a steward, but in verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that Lord entangles himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Not only are we to be a steward, he says, but we are to be a soldier. We are to march. We are to fight for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. He illustrates it through a steward. He illustrates it through a soldier. But in verses 5 through 7, and if a man also strive for mastery, yet is he not found except he strive lawfully. The husband and the laborer must be first partaker of the fruit. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. He's telling to be a steward, to be a, uh, a soldier, but he also tells us to be a success. He's telling us that we are victors in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are to walk as victors in Jesus, a steward, a soldier, a success. When he gets to verse 8, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even under bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So not only a steward and a soldier and a success, but in verses 8 through 13, he is telling us that we are to be a sufferer, that we are to endure hardness, that we are to suffer trouble for the cause and for the sake of Christ Jesus. Because the Christian life is not easy, we're going to be a sufferer. But not only a steward and a soldier and a success and a sufferer, but in verses 14 through 19, he tells us to be a student. Because he tells us to study to show thyself approved. He tells us to be a student of the Word of God. We should daily find ourselves in the Word of God, studying and learning about it. Not only a steward, a soldier, a success, a sufferer, a student, but in verses 20 through 26, he tells us to be a servant for Jesus Christ. He tells us to serve Him, to live for Him, to do everything that we can for God. So in verses 1 through 13, we understand that He's talking believers because four illustrations are used. We find the steward, we find the soldier, we find the success, and we find the sufferer. 
still talking to believers. It's talking tonight. If you're saved and born again, it's talking to you. It's talking to us who are saved. He's giving commandments to Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, I've been where you're at. I have falsified. I have lost the walk. I have talked the talk. I have served God with my life. And I've got some things I need to teach you. I've got some things I need to tell you. I've got some things that you need to understand. And there are some things, Timothy, there are some things that those of us as believers, there are some things that we need to do. And we find this first thing, just an introduction that Paul tells us we need to have in verse number 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. First of all, in introduction, Paul tells us that we need to have some accountability. We need to be accountable. He's saying that we need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and that the things that He has committed unto us, the things that we have learned of God, the things that we have heard of God, the things that we know from the very Word of God, we should be faithful to God, and we should teach others the same things that we have got to hear and that we have come to know. We are to be accountable, you see, because God has entrusted some things to us. He has given us some things, and we are now to be accountable to be good stewards with what God has given us. We are to be accountable as born-again believers in Jesus Christ. We need some people, we need some Christians that will be accountable with what God has given us. We've got too many people that slander and misuse the things of God, but how we need some accountability. Not only does it tell us that we need accountability, that we need to be trusted with what we're given and then tell others about it, we, have, we need accountability. But verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that war can tame with himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for mastery, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Not only do we need some accountability, but Paul tells Timothy, he says, you need to have some availability. You see, we have become as Paul talks about, he said, no man that war can tame with himself with the affairs of this life. But we have, the day and hour in which we are living, we have become entangled with the affairs of this life. We have become caught up in the things of this life. These temporal things, these material things, these worldly and carnal things. We have become entangled with them. We are ensnared in them. We are caught up in them. We are obsessed with them. The only things that we think about are our problems and our trials and our temptations and the peril and all the things that we're facing, the valleys and the mountains. And we look around us and all we do is we think about other people and we think about what we have and what we don't have. We have become entangled with the affairs of this life. But Paul says that we need to have some availability as born-again believers. We need to not be entangled with the things of this life, but we need to, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, endure hardness. We need to not be entangled with the things of the world, but we need 
to be entangled with the things of God. We need to be willing to suffer, willing to face trouble, willing to go through the trials and the temptations. We need to be good soldiers and be available to do whatever God wants us to do. Our churches are full of people who are not available to do anything for God. Because we are so caught up with everything else. We're so caught up in the opposition, the problems, and the temptations, and that old devil coming against us, and all the enemies that we've got. We're so caught up in opposition. We're so caught up in the obstacles, those trials and temptations. We're so caught up in the objects, all those material things. But Paul says we need to have some accountability. We need to have some availability. Don't be so caught up in these worldly things that you can't serve God, church. Don't be so caught up with what's out there that you can't be in here. We need need accountability. We need availability. But verse number six, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruit. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Wherein I suffer trouble. As an evildoer, even under bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Not only do we need accountability, we need availability. But, church, we need some amenability. Which simply means, look at verse number six. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruit. Because we come so, become so puffed up and so arrogant that we think that we know everything about God, we know everything about this Christian walk, and we don't need God to tell us anything or show us anything. But church, we still need to be learners and study and students of the Word of God. We need to draw closer to God. You see, we have become so involved in the work of the Lord that we have forgotten the very Lord of the Word. We need to be amenable. We need to be teachable. We need to be willing to learn. Because we get so busy doing this and doing that. And we live in a day when we are busier than we have ever been. There's more things to do than there has ever been. There's no time for God. There's no time for church. And we are just busy, busy, busy all the time. Now, now more than ever, we need to have a teachable spirit and be willing to learn. Because, verse 6, the husbandman that labors must be first partaker of the fruit. See, church, we're trying to tell other people about grace, but we haven't even experienced grace. We're trying to share mercy with people when we haven't even experienced the mercy ourselves. Church, you cannot give out what you have not taken in. You cannot share what you don't have. So there are some things that we need to learn. There are some things that we need to be taught. We need to be teachable so that we can share it with others. 
give out and to have not taken out. We need to have some accountability, some availability, some amenability tonight. See, Paul's saying to Timothy, hey, you're going to have trials, you're going to have temptations, there's going to be some things that come along that you wish they wouldn't happen. You're going to have to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Just be faithful to God, he's telling him. But then we get down here to verse number 11, which is where I want to get to tonight. For we are dealing with these, all week we've been dealing since Sunday night with these faithful sayings that Paul has given us in the Bible. We dealt with Sunday night the faithful sayings of for the Christian life in contrary times. Last night we dealt with that thought of faithful saying for a Christian in carnal times. But tonight I want to deal with this thought of faithful sayings for the Christian life in suffering times. In those hard times. Those difficult times. Those trying times that we're going to go through. And so we get down to verse number 11 and Paul makes that great saying again, that great statement. It is faithful saying. That means it's a true saying. It's a certain saying. It's a steadfast saying. It's a faithful saying. For if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. Number one tonight, it's a faithful saying. If we die, we shall live. See, tonight, if you're saved, if you're a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and there was a day in your life when you had to die to yourself. You had to die to yourself, your sin, your pride. You had to lay it down and let it die. And give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see that very moment that you surrendered and that you died to yourself, that very moment that we were saved, that is when life truly began. Because tonight, if you are not born again, if you are not saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, then you don't even know what life is really about because you've never had life. Because you are dead in your trespasses and sins and have no understanding of what life is. But that very moment that we died ourselves, we now are living a life that Jesus says He came to give us life and He came to give us life more abundantly. And we now have joy and we now have peace and we now have a friend that's thinking closer than a brother. And we now have a God who will hear and answer our prayer because we are covered with the righteousness and the blood of Jesus Christ. Now more than ever, if you're saved, that we are living better life than anyone has ever lived. True life, abundant life in Jesus. Not that it's easy, but that it is joyous and it is wonderful. It is a blessed, holy life to live. There's no better life to live than a life for Jesus Christ. If we die, we shall live. That fact that when we die to ourselves, we are saved and we have a true life now. But how much even more than that? What about that life that we will one day live? Because, my friend, just as sure as about 2,000 years ago, that there was a man called Jesus who left the portals of glory, lived on this earth, and he died that blessed, holy death that he died on the cross of Calvary. Just as sure as Jesus died, but just as sure as three days, he came, he came up out of the grave and he is alive. 
He's not dead anymore. He is alive. Sooner or later, we will all die. But after that, there is a resurrection that will take place, and we will have life forevermore. If we die, we shall live. And so that's that promise tonight. Lord, you're not saved. You ought to be saved tonight. For life it is. Those of us who are saved, we will live again in paradise, in heaven with our God for eternity. We die, we shall live. Not only that, we read in verse number 12, if we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. See, tonight, number one, if we die, we shall live again. Number two, it's a faithful saying that if we deny See, tonight we've already said it over and over again. He's talking to those who are saved. Talking to those who are believers. Some want to tell you that this verse is, is uh, looking back at the passage that says, If you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father. But how is that if it's talking to believers, Brother David? Then how, because we understand that if you're saved, you are saved forever. You cannot lose your salvation. We have an eternal redemption in Christ Jesus. So he cannot be saying, if you deny me before men, then I will deny you before the Father and cast you into hell because we are saved forever. But rather, when he speaks of us denying him and him denying us, I believe he's looking back at verse number 5. And if a man also strive for mastery, he explains what he's about to say. Yet is he not crowned. Except he strive also as He denies the faithful saying, we deny him eternally. Not that he's going to deny his salvation. Not that he's going to deny us a home in heaven. But that he will, if we do not strive lawfully, he will deny us his crown and reward. Your salvation, you already saved. But what you can lose is the rewards that you could gain one day. Think about it this way. One day there's going to be millions of people gathered together. And maybe one by one they'll walk up to the throne of God Almighty. And they'll be there at Jesus' feet, and there they for all the work they've done for God, and I'm not talking about working for your salvation, but we work because we are saved tonight. Amen? And as we get to that place and at that throne, people are they're throwing their crowns and they're throwing their rewards at the feet of Jesus. And tonight, think about how good God has been to you in your life. How blessed are you? How much has God given you? How much has He entrusted you with? He is, if, if nothing else, He died on Golgotha's hill to save us. If He never did another thing, He's already done enough. So how good has God been to you, church? Has He not already blessed us beyond all measure? Has He not given us friends and family and loved ones and given us material things and allowed us to eat every day and taken care of our every need? Has He not been good to us? 
think about it, as everyone there, you see, we can never repay him for what he's done for us. But don't you want to try to? Don't you want to do all you can to repay him for what he's done? So as those people, they're all gathered and they begin to cast their crowns and their rewards at the feet of Jesus. Think of just your And you're thinking about all that God has done for you. Then you look down and you are empty-handed. You've got nothing to lay down at the feet of Jesus. You have nothing that you can offer Him to praise Him and give Him the glory that He deserves for all that He has done for you. Break our hearts tonight that we would think that we one day won't have anything to offer God. That we won't have anything to lay down at His feet to worship Him and to praise Him and to honor Him for who He is and all He's done. And that is why, church, we should not deny Him this life. We should not deny Him the works that He has called us to do, but rather we should live for Him every single day. What if every morning that we woke up, we woke up with the thought and the prayer, God, whatever I do today, be praised and be glorified. Lord, whatever word I may use, let it bring glory to Your name. Lord, whatever action and deeds I will perform today, may it honor You, may it praise You, Lord, get the glory from my life that You deserve, and that one day we would have a reward and a crown to cast at the feet of Jesus, to praise Him for all that He has done. See, the faithful saying that we die, we shall live. The faithful saying that we deny, we shall live. But then we look at verse 13. If we believe not, let the abide faith in us. And it cannot if we die, we shall live. If we deny, we shall lose. But tonight, it's a faithful saying that if we doubt, we still lose. Many people will take that verse, as I said, they want to take it out of context and say it's for lost people. That he's faithful to his righteousness and he's faithful to his justice, which he is. But it is talking to believers, not to them. And it's not saying that if we are not saved, that He'll be faithful to His righteousness, so He cannot deny Himself. But rather, if we believe not, yet He abides faithful, He cannot deny Himself. Because tonight, if you are saved and born again, you're a part of the family of God. If you're saved and born again, the Holy Ghost of God is dwelling deep inside your heart. You ever get afraid that God's promises will not be true? That God will not come through as He said He would? See, tonight, we, Paul's trying to teach us to be faithful throughout the book of Timothy. Trying to 
to teach us that we need to be faithful to God and live for God and do everything we can for Him. But tonight, as born-again believers, the only thing that we can do is try to be faithful. But God does not have to try to be faithful. Because you do not have to try to be what you already are. God doesn't attempt to be faithful. God doesn't try to be faithful. God isn't faithful sometimes. But God is faithful. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have a God that never changes. He remains the same down through history, down through the course of time, down through the ages, and down past eternity. He's always the same. He is faithful. You see, always has been, but He still is. And He still is what He always has been. And He always will be what He still is. What is that? Faithful. Because even when we doubt Him, see tonight, we cannot boast in our faithfulness, preacher. We can't, if we stood up here tonight and said, you know, I've told a bunch of people about Jesus. I've cleaned the church so many times. I've read my Bible every day. I pray to Him every day. I seek Him like I should. I do everything that I can. If we were all truly honest, can we get real tonight? Is that okay with everybody? If we truly all were to get honest with ourselves and with God tonight, we would have to say that we have not always been faithful. We would have to admit the fact that we have failed, we have faltered, we have slipped, and we have fallen many times, maybe even daily. We have run from God. We have doubted God. Samuel Lucifer said this, he said, often, often have I torn up my copy of God's covenant with me. But blessed be His name, He keeps it in heaven safe and stands fast. Has anybody ever torn up what God's told you before? Maybe He's made you a promise in your life. By the way, the Spirit of God will never contradict the Word of God, and the Word of God will never contradict the Spirit of God. Has God ever made you a promise tonight and you said, Oh, no, God, that's not possible. God, there's no way you're going to heal that person. God, there's no way you're going to do this work. God, there's no way you're going to pay my bills. God, there's no way that you're going to revive the church. God, there's no way that you can do that. It is impossible and it's never going to happen because we're doubting Him and we're not believing what He said to be true. We tear that copy of what God set up and we say, God, it's impossible. God, it's never going to happen. Maybe even time goes on and we forget about what God said to us. What we read in His Word, we just let it slip our minds. And yet God in heaven has not forgotten the Word that He said. Because every single word that He has ever said 
Let God be true and every man lie. God does not lie, but He's always true and just and righteous and holy. And every promise that He makes is certain. It will happen. Can anybody testify tonight that God is true to His word? Is there anybody here tonight that could say, well, God lied to me one time? Was he not faithful to all those in the Bible? See, the faithfulness, we say, how do I know God's going to be faithful? God's faithfulness is sealed on the character of God. That simply means he will be faithful because he has been faithful. Because you don't trust a liar tonight, you trust somebody who's been proven, who's been tested, who's been tried to be true.